Hello, everybody, and welcome to Catholic Truth Family, your place to know all about love, relationships, dating, engagement, marriage, children, and more. Today, we have a wonderful guest with us. Her name is Michelle Marinaccio. Hopefully, I didn't massacre her name, but she is the mother of three children and including two twins who were born less than three pounds. And imagine moms and dads, if you had a child that you were waiting for so long, and then all of a sudden they were born so small that they had to stay in the hospital for three months and you couldn't even hug your kids. You couldn't snuggle with them. This was just the beginning of the struggles. And so, you know, this happens sometimes with parents. I mean, my own child was in there for three weeks, not even three months. And it was a really big struggle. I mean, all you want to do is hug them and kiss them and snuggle them and you can't. So, you know, uh, I was talking, I met Michelle randomly at our church and she had a story about her children. She's had struggles. They were very difficult. She had to get through them. And, you know, her faith helped her in that. So she's here today to join us and to share her story and to share her story of faith. And uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show, Michelle. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Brian. I'm so happy to be here sharing my story. Um, And, you know, ever since I got pregnant with the twins, it was always in the back of my mind, you know, are they going to be born early? How's it going to go? I was just so nervous and scared during my whole pregnancy. But, you know, praying to God every day, waking up and just asking the Lord, what's my plan? You know, so he, when they were, they were born at 30 weeks and, um, you know, that was their time to be born. And throughout, you know, their NICU journey, God was with them. Um, watching them and helping them grow and thrive. But, you know, there, I had a lot of struggles along the way leading up to that. Um, I was traumatized. I had preeclampsia. My blood pressure was over 200. Um, I was in the hospital for 16 days myself. I was in critical, I was in critical condition. Um, So I, you know, really, couldn't spend much time up in the NICU in the beginning because I was taking care of my own health issues. Um, and so the first time I went up, um, to the, well, the, the day after I had my C-section, um, a doctor came in the room and it was an ENT. And she told me, she said, and at this point I have, I didn't even see my babies yet because they were born C-section and the NICU took them right up to the NICU, intubated them, you know, got them on oxygen. um, And they said, you can't see the babies for a while. So I really out of it, I went down into, you know, my room and um, my husband went up there at like 1230 at night and basically took a picture of both of the babies in the incubator and brought it down to me. That was my first experience seeing my own children, which was so sad. You know, you have that vision of having your baby, you know, and having the baby on you and having that um, first connection with your child, but I didn't. And that was something that was missing. Um, And I feel like I missed out on that experience. That's why I actually had a third child to see if the experience (laughs) would be a different experience, which it was, thank God that was great. But for this experience, I didn't have that. And I just felt like lost and lonely, you know, just it was, it was really sad. So I was 
so that next morning, um, an ENT came in and, and she my, said, my, my wife, just for the record, had the same struggle as you did. The only thing she wanted is the skin to skin to contact to have the baby on her and our first baby. No, they just took the baby, started washing her, got her ready. She didn't get any of that. And she was like devastated. And she still feels like she missed out on something from that first one. But so, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people, if you have that experience, you, you, you're thriving for that. Um, and so the ENT came in and she says, your, your child was born with a little ear. He has no ear. And I says, what do you mean? I'm like, she's like, oh, you'll find out later on. And I was like, I didn't even see my child yet. So that was traumatizing oh because gosh. then in the next two minutes, I went up to the NICU in a wheelchair. There was actually um, a priest this that came with me and was praying with me, you know, because I back, you know, um, rewind for a few seconds, I broke my water. And, um, you know, they said, well, the twins could stay possibly in but, you know, we might have, you can maybe you could last with your water broken a few weeks. And I was like, I don't know if that's possible. So anyways, the priest was coming to the room for a few days praying with me that this is going to happen. So I became very close with him throughout my journey. Um, so moving on, everyone came up with me to the NICU and I was crying. I was so scared to even see them. They were just so critical. You couldn't, you know, of course you couldn't hold them. I was just, my biggest fear was the NICU and my grandma actually passed away in a hospital. So when I was in fifth grade, so I had a lot of PTSD regarding hospitals and I was petrified of this whole situation. So it was like the perfect storm. I was working through my own issues of like being traumatized in a hospital. Now I'm being traumatized going up to the NICU, seeing my children, now realizing that my son has one ear and not knowing if, you know, he had other things wrong with him as well. So they ran a bunch of tests and did all this, all the stuff. So that was like my first meeting of that with them. Then I was able to put like one of my pinky fingers into the NICU to like touch them. And, you know, it's, it was just, I had PTSD for the longest time regarding all the situation. Um, and then I went back downstairs that day and then I got diagnosed with preeclampsia again before oh. birth and after. So then I was on magnesium sulfate, which is a medication that affects your central nervous system. And um, it prevents you from having a seizure. So that's the main thing with preeclampsia is you can you can have seizures. So you have to be on this medication for 24 hours in bed. It's IV. You cannot get you cannot eat. You cannot get out of bed. And you basically, oh. if you have a baby, you can't hold your baby. Like you can't get up because you know you're wobbly. So I was dealing with that, and then you know in the hospital for 16 days, and then you know. After that all happened, I went home and, you know, I would go to the NICU every single day, you know, basically, um, I would call at the middle of the night when I would wake up and pump basically, cause that was the best for them breast milk. Um, cause it's being premature, it's hard for them to digest formula. So that was, yeah. I, that was something I, that was a positive thing that I was able to do for them that, you know, it was nourishing them um, and making them grow. And that's, 
you know, luckily, thank God that um, the boys, they were pretty healthy. You know, they said that their status in the NICU was pretty much, you know, these boys are, they call, we'd call them growers and feeders. So a grower and feeder is just someone who's there to, to grow and eat and learn how to drink a bottle, you know, everything like that. So they did really well regarding that. Um, but I would be petrified when the monitors would go off, you know, the monitors would ding and being a NICU parent, that's one of the, that's one of the drawbacks that they always talk about is the the dingers, like the ding, ding, ding. If the heart rate goes down or if the oxygen level or whatever it is, you're you're looking at that screen and that screen is just like scary. Totally. My wife and I had the same fears too. We'd heard it beep, 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 beep. We're like, what's going on? What's wrong with my baby? You know, like, and then, you know, and then they're like, oh no, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry. If the whole team comes running in, then you know it's something. That's you're right. So one time the the team did come running in and that was like so scared because I had twins. We had one in one air. We had one room, but you're not just worrying about one baby. You're worrying about two at once. So I'm, you know, thinking about the, the ringers on that baby versus the other baby. So it was, it was so scary. Um, and so much to handle and, um, no, what were your, sorry, what were your, um, before you get to Christmas, what were your, like when you were at home, like, did you have a hard time sleeping? Like, were you praying a lot? Were you just worried a lot? Like, did you have a lot of support from your husband? Like this must've been really hard to go through for you. Yeah. I had a lot of support from my husband, from my family, from everyone. Um, and from God, you know, I would pray to God every day, you know, to help guide myself and to help protect my children in the NICU. Um, and, you know, father, there was a priest at St. Mary's father, Denny. He used oh, to I be love a father Denny. And um, he has been with me ever since the beginning with this, with my children. He would message me, FaceTime me just pray with me over them. Um, and he is just, and same with my Jojo too. He had, I had some things going on um, when he was younger and father Denny would just be there for me. And I think I know my faith has definitely grown throughout this process because going on the other side. Now my boys are thriving. They're doing well. And with Jesus's help and Jesus's and being committed and praying to God, that is really the reason why they're doing so well. Um, and just being my faith is so important um, in my everyday life. And that's, you know, what it's all about. And I really have, um, I'm a NICU, um, uh, cope. What is, I'm trying to think of the, the word of NICU volunteer for the NICU team. I'm mm. on the board. Um, and it's parents basically that had a child in the NICU, you volunteer and it's a group you meet every month and you help, um, different NICU parents. And one experience, the boys national NICU day is November 16th and the boys were born on November 13th. So we're born at Yale. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with Yale, but there's a NICU 11th floor and a 10th floor on the NICU. So the the 11th floor is more the intensive care unit. So they were on the 11th floor when they were born for more intensive care. Our daughter and, was on um, the 10th floor. Okay. Yep. 
And uh, so these women came in with these two big bags full of NICU things. And they were from the March of Dimes. And they were from this what, this um, support group that I belong to now. And they were just there and sharing their experience with me. And at that point, their kids were like five or six years old. And they came in and they said, this is for you. These are like NICU these are little baby hats. These are clothes. These are books. These are, this is cream for you. This is chapstick for you. Different things for you. And they said, you know, you may not be prepared to have any NICU things because you thought your baby was going to be born normal, you know, mm-hmm. a normal gestation. So that just warmed my heart. And I thought wow. it was amazing coming from the other side, looking, you know, they, their babies, their kids were thriving. They're five or six doing so well. And my babies were just frail and fragile and small and in the incubators and me just looking at them. And I'm like, wow, I'm like, I wish I could be in your shoes right now, five or six, and they're doing so well. I I didn't know what was going to happen to them. I didn't know if they were going to survive. So at that point, I was like, I want to give back. I want to do that one, one day. So it was two, like a year and a half after the boys got discharged from the hospital, I said, I reached out to Michelle Gray. She was, um, she's in charge of this. And she also had two kids in the NICU as well. And she's like, you'll reach out to me when you're ready. You know, cause I was had a lot of PTSD regarding this. So I'm like, I don't know if I want to do anything with the NICU right now. Cause I'm just scared, you know, but I reached out to her and I, I want to give back and I want to be that parent standing in that room talking to the the on the other side to say this is where we're at and we were in your shoes we know what you're feeling you know i'm here for you just having a person like that in your life could really change your perspective on things or you know just somebody to talk to who knows what you went through and the biggest thing is with nicu nobody really knows what you went through unless you're a nicu parent it doesn't matter if it's for a day or a hundred days you still walk through those doors. You're still in the NICU. That is real. And, you know, you can't diminish that. That's, it doesn't matter how long your stay is. It's right. still your experience. And not just walking through the doors, but like walking out of the doors every night and leaving your baby behind. Like my wife was in tears, like almost every night. She just did not want to leave her baby. All she wanted to do is hug her, hold her, feed her, be there for her. And we worried, you know, is she going to have issues? Is she going to have problems? You know, where, you know, the earliest days are the most important and there's no one to cuddle them and love them and be there with them. And, you know, so we had all these fears and worries. And I think kind of like you, sometimes there's only one thing you can do and that's just give it up to God and trust him and trust that he's going to write straight with the crooked lines and make it all right. And, you know, give you the strength Mm -hmm. that you need and, you know, the time wasted and that sort of thing. And, you know, our baby is, was four and a half pounds and now she's 12, you know, so she's growing, she's getting to be a little chunk and, you know, she's healthy as far as down syndrome babies go. And, um, she is just full of smiles and we cuddle her all day now. And so, yeah, it's tough at the beginning, but, you know, once you get through it, you know, it does become better, but that is a tough part. Even just, the test to get them home. Can I bring them home? And they have to sit in a car seat for an hour and a half. Like you go through PTSD just with that alone. Like, what if they fail? What if they fail? You hear a beep and like, oh my gosh, that they're going to fail. They're going to fail. We're going to be here for another two weeks. You know, like <laughs> freaking out. I know. No, I totally agree with that. And I think, as I mentioned earlier about the the dings and the beeps and everything, 
you know, even though when you're there, it's so scary hearing it. But when you're home, for me personally, I said, oh, I want those dings and beeps. I want to make sure they're okay. Totally. I was like, wait, they're in the bed. I'm like, is their oxygen okay? Are they breathing? What's their heart rate? Like I was obsessed with that because I was always looking at it. So when I was home, there's no monitors. I'm like, it's on me. I'm like, I was so nervous. Like, you know, for the longest time I was looking into, they had something that you can put on the baby's foot to to measure that oxygen and this and that. But my pediatrician says, no, you're going to go. It's just, you're going to lose your mind with that. (laughs) So I was like, let me leave it up to God. God is watching them. God knows what the plan is for them. And he is going to help guide them and everything's going to be okay. And that's really what you have to do is just really leave it up to God. And he has a plan for everyone in this world. And everyone has a special place in his heart. And um, that's what I really believe that he gives us the strength every day to just get through. Um, And, you know, we have the strength inside of us from Jesus. So I really, you know, we're so lucky. Yeah. Yeah. And we struggled with the same thing when they came home from the NICU. We're like, you know, because every once in a while, her oxygen would drop, you know, at the hospital. So we're like, well, what if it drops at home? What if she can't breathe? Like, what, ha- you know, like, what's going to happen? And you just like freak yourself out because like, nobody understands this until you become a parent. Like, you think, you know, like, the, you know, what you care for, but like, you just, the worst thing in the entire world is that something would happen to your kid, you know, rather than you, you would rather die yourself or have that happen to you yourself, suffocate to death and have it happen to your kid like it's the biggest fear in the world and it's the biggest sorrow in the world and i've had people on this channel actually it's on our main catholic truth channel i should repost it on this one the catholic truth family channel um of a dad who had his son kicked up into the air i think um 30 feet into the air by a horse and his lungs collapsed and he died two days later and he just got so mad at god and his world became so black and I was in a um, my master's degree for theology with this guy, and we had to write a paper on the meaning of suffering and why God allows suffering. I didn't know all this happened to this guy, and then when I found out he was my partner, I was like, "What could I ever say? I could I have nothing to add. You know the whole thing." And so I had him on my channel, and man, he just shared the most heart wrenching story, but how he came through stronger than ever and how God has a plan in everything and how he sees the plan so clearly now. And he just has such great faith. And I like to interview people just because other people out there are struggling and going through hardships of their own. And there are people who have gone through it and have made it through with the help of God and God's there for us. And I know that God was there for you, Michelle, and you know, your kids, as you said, are growing up healthy now. And it was so scary for you and you had such trauma too. And, but you know what? God was there and he led you all through it. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I a hundred percent agree. I couldn't agree more. It's just, you know, um, God is always there for us and we have to believe and to pray. And my thing is if you're worrying, stop worrying and just pray, leave it up to God. Stop the worry. I'm more of a worrier sometimes. So I'm just really trying to, <laughs> stop the worrying and just pray and kind of change my perspective on things and just, you know, flip the switch and pray instead of worry because what's worrying going to do? Nothing. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I my wife's kind of a warrior too, and um, so I'm always I'm always telling her Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter six. You know, can you add an, a a single cubit to your life? Jesus asks just by worrying. You know, <laughs> he's like, what is worrying going to do? He's like, you know, Heavenly Father provides for the sparrows and the and the flowers, and how much more valuable are you than sparrows and flowers? He's going to provide you. He has your good in mind. He's going to you know take care of everything. Even though if sometimes that everything doesn't look like what we think it should look like, he knows what he's doing. And it makes us better, stronger, no matter what it is, if we trust in him and go through it with him. I mean, we didn't want a Down syndrome baby. We did not. We prayed that we had everybody praying and their mother that the baby would be completely healthy. And it wasn't. It's not what we wanted, but it's what God wanted. And I know now that this baby is going to teach me more than I could have ever learned. I don't care who the child was and that was born to me. This kid's going to teach me so much that I need to know and I need to realize. And I, I know the whole, whole world out there needs to realize the lessons that she's going to teach us, her innocence, her purity, her non-judgmentalism and many other attributes that we just forget as we grow up. And you know what? She's going to remind the world of that. And that's a beautiful gift. And I'm so glad that God gave it to us because I didn't know what I wanted and I didn't know what was good for me. And But God does. And so I think that's the beauty of yeah. trusting. Definitely. I, that, I couldn't agree more with that. You said that so beautifully. She's a preface, uh, precious little uh, angel from heaven. Amen. She really is. And uh, so, uh, Michelle, um, tell me about, so your kids came home and you were struggling with that. Um, maybe you could talk about some of the feelings, you know, like of, you know, you've kind of, you're over the hurdle, they're through, you know, what's going on now? How are they now? You know, how's your life with them now? That sort of thing. Yeah, they're doing well. Um, they're at St. Mary's preschool. They're going to be in a four-year-old program. Oh, um, already. Yeah, they, they really love it. They really love the religion aspect of it. They really, you know, sending them to St. Mary's. I went to St. Mary's when I was in preschool. So, you know, Catholic school is very important to me. Um, and I have really great experiences at St. Mary's. And I really want the kids to, you know, have the same. And, you know, we go to church every Sunday and we try to, you know, before meals, we're praying and we have a little cross. My son, Michael, puts it right on the table and they take turns saying a prayer. And we say, what are we grateful for today? And um, we're just trying to, you know, kids lead their example. So it, I'm trying to be a great example for them to be great Catholics and Christians and everything. And, you know, that's what I really want for them. And they're really loving that you know, they're seeing my faith and I want my faith to, to help their faith grow. So, you know, being a great example to my children, that's my goal. Um, and also, um, Philip, my son, he was born with one ear, so he has, uh, microtia. So that's a struggle for us as a family and for him, but nothing's going to let him down. He is a little feisty guy. He is so smart and he's so eager and he's just a ball of energy. Um, and he, you know, I, that was one, that was another struggle of mine. You know, why did my son need to be born with an ear? What did I do? You know, what right. did I do during pregnancy? What was, what, what happened? They didn't see anything in the ultrasound. Um, they, 
you know, it was just, it, it was, they said it was an anomaly. They don't know why it happened. And for me, when somebody says, you don't know why, or there's not, there's not a concrete answer. I, it doesn't sit right with me. It just, I need to keep digging and digging and digging. And I did that for like two years. I went mm-hmm. to a genetic doctor with, with him and this and that. There is no answer. Mm-hmm. He was born like that and he's perfect the way he is. And, you know, I think, you know, throughout my whole life, I was always more of a perfectionist, you know, what other people are going to think and how's it going to look and everything like that. I really believe that this is a lesson or something to look at to say nothing is perfect. You know, it doesn't need to look like the golden standard of like what normal is or what people think normal is. There is no normal. Everybody is beautiful in their own way. So you know, I try to look at what I learned from the situation. What I learned from the situation is that, you know, God, this is the plan. This is his plan for Philip. And Philip is going to teach me things. Just like you were saying earlier about your daughter, you know, Philip is so smart and he just sees the world in a different way. He just brights up, lights up the room with his smile And he, you know, he's really intrigued with ears. He's really intrigued with ears. And he actually just had his tonsils out and his adenoids. And my brother's a PA working for an ENT. And Philip says he wants to be an ENT when he gets older. And I can see that. So I'm like, that's his gift. He's like, I want to remove tonsils like Dr. Pearl. Um, Could you see me? Yeah, you blacked out for a second. But that's all right. There's a big thunderstorm going on. No. Um, okay. Sorry. I think somebody was trying to call me. Okay. okay. I'm back. Okay. Um, so yeah, he's just, he's the ray of sunshine and I'm going to be able to learn from him. Like I was saying, he wants Amen. to be an Ian too. So, um, that would be amazing one day if he could do research on my and help kids just like him. I think I'm just going to, be there for him every step in the way and anything he needs for me, I'm be his biggest advocate, you know? Amen. So everyone, everyone's put on this earth to do something or to help people or whatever that is. But, you know, I just think he's going to be totally fine and with God right by his side. Amen. Well said, perfectly said, like nobody's perfect, like you said, and yet everyone's perfect in God's eyes, you know, like God loves us all the same. And, you know, he might be missing an ear, other people are missing other things. Some people are missing a heart. (laughs) You know, they're really mean and angry and bitter in their whole life. Some people are missing uh, compassion, others are missing the ability to have intimacy, you know, and we're all we all have some struggle in some way, we're all imperfect. And I think that we don't see that, you know, we see someone imperfect on the outside, and we say, Oh, they're deficient. When in fact, that might be his only deficiency when he could be an excellent person world changer on the inside. But we're so shallow in this world that we do we judge people by the outside. And I think that's what I'm hoping and I'm I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that. Um, And that's one of the things my daughter's teaching me. And I'm hoping that she can teach other people in this world too. Is that 
we're shallow. There's so much more than just, you know, the way we look or something mm-hmm. that might be off about us. You know, I always say, like you just said, you're a perfectionist. My wife was a, my wife was and is a perfectionist also. Um, you know, and she spent so long with eating disorders and trying to be perfect, look perfect, everything. And, um, you know what, to what end, you know, she ended up breaking herself and her fertility and other parts of her that had to be fixed and healed, just trying to chase some elusive perfection. When in fact, we're perfect, as you said, as we are, God loves us as we are, we can change the world as we are. And, um, you know, my daughter's going to do that. Yeah, she's gonna and and it breaks my heart that people are going to judge her because she looks different. But man, she's never gonna judge anyone. She's going to be so loving, kind, beautiful. You know, basically what Jesus tells us we need to be if we want to go to heaven, what everyone in heaven is going to be like. And that is much more important than the way we look on the outside. And um, I th- yes. hopefully and, yes. we can teach people that. Yeah. And I couldn't agree. I mean, I my biggest worry about Philip when he was born and saying, what are other people going to think about him? What I don't. What are they gonna? Are they gonna judge him because he has one ear? Like little. My biggest thing was like going out and people looking and just staring. And it's like okay, you know. And then you know when he now since he's like four and a half, children are starting to recognize. You know when they're young, they don't really know. So kids go. One kid said, um, I was like the other day. He said, "What is that?" like what's wrong with you or something. And I fill up, we were in a doctor's office and I just like ignored it. And like, I didn't want Philip to hear it because I feel bad, but he's going to have to, to face that. And what we're trying to tell him is Philip, you know, you were born like this. God made you special. And that's why you have one ear. I said, other people probably want to be just like you. Cause you're so special. Like, you know, I says, you're, you, so he wears a ponto. It's a hearing device. I said, this is your superpowers. I'm like, you put this on your Superman. So we're trying to use it in a way of like being super positive. And I don't want him to, to know that I'm nervous or whatever. Cause that just goes on to your, your child. Like I show him, I am so confident. And so you got this, you know, I don't want him to see that I'm nervous at all. And any, aspect. All my job is to give him confidence that he is amazing and God made me like this and I am perfect. So that's, I, I kind of rehearse it with him to say, Phil, if somebody asks you, you know, what is that? Like, what is that your ponto or why do you have one ear? He'll say, God made me like that. And this is me, you know, I just want to make sure to instill that in him to not think that he's different. And hopefully his brother will be his cheerleader. I know in the Down syndrome world, a lot of Down syndrome kids, their older brother or sister, or even younger brother and sister, like will fight for them and stand up for them. And, you know, that sort of thing. And one girl, she's a model, like she's beautiful. She's a model and she does everything for and with her Down syndrome sister. She's her advocate. She advocates for the whole cause and she's using it as a beautiful platform. And there's, um, they, I think they have a, uh, a, uh, what's it called? A uh, Instagram page, and the Instagram page has like three hundred thousand followers, and they're influencing wow. the world. So, a lot of good things oh. happening with special needs kids and people in the family sticking up and making a difference for them. Yes, yeah, for sure. 
Definitely. But um, I love that. I want to thank you for sharing your story. I mean, I know that, you know, when I saw you at church, I know I noticed you because I noticed him without an ear and I noticed he yeah. had his hearing aid thing on. And um, I was noticing that, you know, my daughter's going to have that same hearing aid someday. So I was like, I need to go see if it works, you know, like, you know, we and we found out that they actually have very similar condition, microsia in the ear. And uh, I was like, that's so weird. And here we are. And we both had struggles. We both got through them. God gave us both joy and peace on the other side. And, you know, you're doing well. And I, I, I praise God for you. I think it's wonderful that you're advocating, you're leading, you're being a world changer in some way and you're helping your kids to be also. So, you know, kudos to you, you know, and everything you've gone through, you know, and you let your faith lead the way. I'm so thankful for you. And, you know, you and me are nobodies, you know, not, we're not like big popular people. We're just little people making a difference in the world around us. Definitely. I love that. It was such a pleasure to be on your show, Brian, you're doing amazing things and, you know, really trying to help others. I think learning through other people's experiences and, you know, can really speak volumes to helping people. I mean, we're put on this earth to help people and be there for, for people through Jesus Christ. So I Amen. really appreciate you having me on your show and uh, you're doing great things for the world. Thank you. Thank you. And um, I want to I want to tell you about a video on our regular Catholic Truth channel that I want you to watch. And all of you audience out there, I want you all to watch it. Um, just look up Catholic Truth, Margaret of Costello. Margaret of Costello. If you haven't seen her, if you don't know who she is, go watch that video. She was born in the 1300s to a military leader, and he was a powerful man. And he just couldn't wait to pass the legacy on to his son. And then they found out they were pregnant. He had a week-long celebration in the land, a week-long, the entire kingdom. And then they found out it was a girl and not a boy to lead. <laughs> and so not only was he depressed, he got even more deathly depressed when he found out the girl was uh, blind, a hunchback, ugly, and crippled. And so he was. she basically looked horrid. And he was so embarrassed by her, he locked her away in a prison for 14 years, in a prison he built in his backyard. And she cried every day, but... That's just the beginning. Like what happens from there is just amazing. It's like makes me want to cry. Just how one little midget can change the world and become a saint. It's just the most beautiful story. And I know it inspired me. Um, and I know it'll inspire you and everyone else out there as well. So Margaret of Costello, check out her story. It's amazing, everybody. Thank you, Michelle. Um, and thank you all for watching and for tuning in to our channel. If you would like more videos on parenthood, the good, the bad, the ugly, the awesome, check out our other videos here on our channel. And if you would like to be able to know your Catholic faith, explain it, defend it, and come closer to Christ, check out our main Catholic Truth channel. Thank you all for watching and God bless you.